Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wilford sets off upfield. He wants a speech to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will Broncos fans, and welcome to this week's episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and not as always, not joined on the line by our good friend Simo, but a familiar face, Benny DTD, has joined us down the line. I remember him from last year, but how you doing, Benny? Mate, I am doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. Mate, it's good to have you on. We had Simo, mate, called into... Now, I don't know, he works in... I forget what it is. Something to do with digging shit out of the ground, soil testing or something. Yeah. Called to Brisbane from Rockhampton for a soil testing emergency. I didn't know that was a thing, but he's in Brisbane now. Maybe he's testing the soil that they took to the Gabba from the MCG last year. I don't know, but yeah. We will <laughs> so Benny's subbed in, but he flew to Brisbane yesterday. Mate, he'll do, he's doing anything to not talk about. <laughs> talk about the Broncos, you know, mate. He's flying all around the bloody country. Yeah, I don't blame him. But yeah, but essentially we're going to... People have been talking about it for asking us to talk about it for a while, all that kind of stuff. But now Tom Dearden's happened. We're kind of do a bit of an episode. We'll talk about the Dearden stuff, where we're going to go from there. A bit of chat about Dave Don. He's finally starting in a couple of days. And a bit over the over the last game <laughs> and the next one. But I'll start at the start there. Well, before we get to your questions. But first thing, mate, how do you feel about the the Tom Dearden stuff? How we've lost him to to the Cowboys? Um, it, it's a, it's a tough one. I think the club has, he's, they, he, they haven't handled him well, um, you know, last year and this year, but I, I think Tom, while he's a, he's a talented junior and all that sort of stuff. And he, he came through being the great white hope for the Broncos. He was really crueled by the, the COVID season in, mm. in the fact that he didn't get to play 20 games of, um, Q Cup, and I think that has hurt him more than being left out of the side for round one by Kevy. You know, we all know that he trained at the start um, or in preseason as you know the starting seven before he got mm. dropped for uh, Brody Croft in round one. Um, but yeah, like leading up to that, I think he he really suffered by not being able to play against you know some adult competition in the Q Cup. Uh, I think it would have been last year, so. Um, in terms of losing him, it, it sucks to lose a kid. You know, obviously we've lost some talent in the last mm. sort of six months, but 
Um, you know, it is it is a tough one. Losing him sucks, but we also need some experience in the halves. Um, I think, you know, recent form, you can look at the Penrith game. We were well in that game. And if mm-hmm. we have a, a, an experienced half running that side, we probably come out with a win. Uh, again, Parramatta game, we were in it for a long time. No experienced halves to play off what our forward pack laid, get smoked in the end. So it, it does suck to lose him, but at the end of the day, it probably, hopefully, opens up a door for an experienced seven to come in. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I would have been catatonic if we lost him six months ago. But it's just got to that point, and anyone who listens to this podcast, and me and you have spoken many times over the year, this team, since Ben Hunt left, has failed to find that other playmaker or that leader in the halves or similar. And it almost feels like this is going to force them to do what they should have been doing anyway. Like, 100%. we're going we're going to go find someone, and it's like we should have been doing that with Dearden. Like, but now we're going to find someone to replace him. It sucks, but yeah, he didn't get that year in cup all last year and it's definitely hurt him. I've heard that he's not really kicked on as they'd like him to in that period as well. I mean, they didn't even make an offer when he went to the Cowboys. But yeah, he's been messed around a little, but that also doesn't excuse that. Yes, he's been messed around and all that kind of stuff, but we still haven't seen any flashes this season. No, he hasn't. And, you know, like I said, that Penrith game was a perfect example uh, Croft probably like Croft played okay in that game when, and that's a bar that he set for himself. That's so low. Yeah. So what he did in that game was actually okay, but did, and if he wants to be that seven, if he wants to be that guy who runs the team, he has to grab that game by the balls. He has to get his hands on the footy. He has mm-hmm. to start dictating to Brody where the game's going from there. Like, and we haven't seen any of that. Like, I think you, we've spoken about it before, but his first couple of games out of the 22 or so that he's played have still probably been his best. And obviously it's hard in a losing side like we've got, but, you know, he had we had all the momentum against Penrith. We were right in that with five minutes to go and not once did he come and put his stamp on the game. And and that's what you really need from a halfback and, and he just didn't do it. Yeah, and, and I think Broncos fans, us included, have had a bit, we're sick of waiting for someone to develop. So it's, he might go to the Cowboys and become the player he, he's meant to be and with his talent. But like, yeah, that Penrith game, he touched that ball 29 times. That's nothing for a half. In that whole game, like Payne Haas touched it 20 and four just take it up. So he didn't get involved when the game was there. And that might come, but that this team needs somebody who puts their bloody name on results. They need yeah. a half who, who will take t- the team, follow me, Instead of what keeps happening is the pack rolls down the field and then it gets like tackle four and they all look at each other like, who's going to take control of this set? But and you that's know, exactly right. Like, I don't want the next best thing. I want the current best thing. That's it, mate. And, and that's what the Broncos are about. We should have the current best thing. You know, I don't care if we lose. Like I said, it's it gets to that point now where you're just like, eh, we've lost someone. I don't care. Like, he's 20 years old. He hasn't done anything. He doesn't deserve $600,000. Yeah. Let's sign someone who's got 100 games, 150 games experience, who does deserve $600,000, and let's make them the guy that we can lean on, not some 20-year-old with no NRL experience. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And I think we've all become numb to the losing of players almost. Hey, it just happened so much the last year or two. And Reese Walsh stung, and I think we saw a bit of talent out of him. Like I know he only showed up when that game was over. But at least he did something, you know, like if you're a Warriors fan, you watch that game, like, hey, he set two tries up. 
Yeah, yeah. I, has Dearden got two try assists this year? No, exactly. <laughs> Zero. Like, you know, exactly. That, and that's the thing. Walsh just went in there and he's like, okay, I'm just going to grab the ball and I'm going to throw it. I'll kick it dead. It, you know, at least he tried some things. And we're screaming out for someone to actually start trying some things because we get field position. We got mm. ourselves back into that para game. We got field position. We started to sort of win that battle in the middle. And then we've got Croft who just boots the shit out of it and dead. And yeah. then seven tackles. And as you know, we're awful at defending that sort of seven tackle set. Para go down the other end, they score. And then the floodgates open. Yeah. And you, and you watch that game and you can see that lack of direction from both the halves. And everyone knows what we think about Brody. And this isn't about Brody, but you can see it like they just don't, this team from whatever it gets from that spine, that's all four of them. There's no composure and there's no like, hey boys, finish this set, put some pressure on. We'll score the next set or similar. This team wants to score every time they have the ball. Doesn't work. And then you end up having a situation where we didn't score any points against Para. Only score when when Pangai barge over. But the moment we make one mistake, like a four drops the ball 40 out, you're like, oh, well, they're going to score. Yeah. And they usually yes, do. Yeah, they do. And that, and yeah, it, it feels like it, finally we've needed to address both the leadership and the, and an experienced playmaker for a number of years. And it feels like finally by losing so many players, we have to do it. We can't not do it now. We've lost Did and we all know Croft isn't the future. Milford isn't re-signed. They're going to chase an experienced playmaker. And that's like the relief there, I guess. And, you know, it might not be, we're not going to, you know, Adam Reynolds has put pretty much signed still delivered for the Sharks. We're not going to get him, but there is actually, there's options in the market right now. We're not looking at the market and going, fuck, there's, just Gareth Widdop, you know? Yeah, yeah, option. for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it is. It's a it's addition by subtraction. Like, essentially, we're taking... Well, they've taken away what we hoped to be our future, yeah. and we're going to have to add our future actually right now. It's yeah. going to have to be brought forward. We're going to have to sign... You know, we're looking at a, a, a Sean Johnson. We're looking at, hopefully, Aiden Caesar, Gareth Widdop, Milford on half the money that he's on yeah. now, like, like you said, there is options out there. I don't like Mitch Moses, but if he's a flat track bully at Suncorp, I'll take that for 12 weeks a year. Yeah. Like 100%. that's absolutely fine. You know, I, like I said, I don't necessarily like him as a player, but he will bully the shit out of some teams. And especially on the back of a forward pack that we've got, like he's mm. someone that if we're looking at him, great, because he's been in the comp for, you know, he's got a hundred games under his belt. He can kick. And I think that's what we're really lacking. We are really lacking end of set pressure, like you're oh. saying, kick to the corners, like watching, again, this isn't a Brody podcast, but like watching his bombs land 15 out from the try line when he's kicking him from 20 out from the try line is just painful. And it happens all the time. And trying to grab it in goal, kicks it dead. He's got all no, we've got no pressure. And Dearden didn't put his stamp on it. Like he's got to be, all right, give me that ball. I'm kicking a coat. So I'm going to land it on the try line. Give us a chance to actually score. And it just no. hasn't happened. Like we just, we haven't done that. And, and that's what we need. Yeah. No, and Milford who can put a bomb up was like, that's all he wants to do now too. He hasn't got enough variation or smarts. So he's kicking game either. Tactical kicking is not Milford can kick. Mm. Doesn't know when the fuck to do it or where to kick it. But he, yeah, he it's choosing the right kick for the right moment. And that's it. we don't have that. You know, I think, you know, when we had hunt, you know, we, we hunt got a bit of a bad rap at times, but, that whole 2015, 2016 period when we lost both he and Ash Taylor, yeah, that was, we still haven't righted that ship. You we know? haven't. 
that's yeah. that's where we needed to fix it right then and there. And losing both of those guys, we were like, oh boy, now we're stuck with Milford and Nikarima, two guys that play the same role. Oh yeah. shit, now we've got to make Milford into a player that is not. Didn't work. Still not working. Yeah. And still and, in the same spot. <laughs> and yeah, you, you look at that time, but that's when I expect it's like how Roosters fans complain about Jake Friend, but he was their premiership winning hooker three times. Mm. We complain about Hunt because we were a good team. And there was the things that was wrong with his game. Like when he used to kick early and there were shit kicks, that annoyed me. But it's like probably better than the guy who boots it dead or doesn't meet the, he doesn't kick it past 15 meters. But, but we also had kick chase on those we kicks did. when he we kicked. Did. We did have that. We haven't got that anymore. It's only Alex Glenn and he's like, his, his calves are made of dust at this point and he can still <laughs> chase kicks. But yeah, you look at it like hopefully now there's word they're probably they're trying to move Matt Lodge to a Sydney club. Maybe they'll get off. I don't want to get rid of Tom Flegler. I just think you need some time in reserve grade, but they probably need to get off one or two middle contracts. But at least like I know Kevy is not a rugby league genius. Tactically has got lots of things wrong this year with interchanges, but at least it feels like we're starting to pull towards the right direction of, hey, don't spend a bazillion dollars on outside backs and forwards. Let's focus on these few and let's go get the experienced halves. And that's like, I have no idea. As you said, I remember talking on this podcast when we had Nick Arima and Milford of the halves, like, oh, maybe we'll get Sean Johnson next year after the Warriors. Or maybe we'll get Aiden season next year. It's like, we needed a guy five years ago. So maybe we'll get him now. And it's not the, it's not the final, you know, bit of the recipe we need, but it's a big piece of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is. And, and, you know, it's the whole thing of you You always hear people talk about your Cam Smiths, your Darren Lockyers, your Andrew Johns, and saying they make the people around them better. Yeah. We've got people around, you know, we're, what we need to do is get those guys in those halves or in those key positions, whether it's a nine and a seven, whether it's a seven and a six, whether it's a seven and a one, mm-hmm. whatever it is, we need two pieces to our spine that can make those people around them look better. We've got some strike in the outside backs. Like when Staggs is fit, he's obviously a great center, great runner of the ball. Coates, Herbie Farnworth can actually break the line and, and all that sort of thing. So there's pieces there that can be made to look really good. We just need those two guys in the spine to be able to do it. Yeah. I think what you've now there is the key. And we've spoken about this before off, off air, but it's like, I don't want to focus in on, we just need this guy. The club needs to be looking at, hey, we'll probably need two spine players. Let's talk to like 10 of them and see what we can get done. And I really like the idea of Sean Johnson because he looks attainable out of those guys. Looks like he moved to Brisbane and looks like, like the offers he's getting. He wants the reports I read today is he wants 800 K a year for two years, which is probably a bit rich, but he got offered 400 K by the, by the shark. So it feels like we could probably find a middle ground there that could get him there. But I think in my head, I look at him like, man, Sean Johnson, as you just said, on that right hand side with like, you know, Pangai or Ricky or Piakura with Stags with Coates. Like, fuck, there is points there. We don't score fucking points. We have no one to give the ball to when we're in the opposition 20. There's points. That's great. And then, you know, maybe it's him, but yeah, you want to, you want to talk to like Sean Johnson, Scott Drinkwater, you know, what's doing, Scott? You know, they've, they've already replaced you. Do you want to come mm-hmm. be our one or our six? You know, Aiden Caesar, really cheap. Gareth Withup, cheap. A cheap Ash Taylor, a cheap Milford. You know, what's Brandon Smith doing? For nine, or they got to they got to figure it out. That's what they, gotta, they don't like if they if they just get say a Sean Johnson, it'd be a big piece for us, but it's still not enough pieces. 
No, for sure. And and my thoughts, you know, obviously, I, you know, as we've spoken about before, Sean Johnson would be great because he is dominant on that right-hand side. Mm. It's his preferred side to kick on on that right side. He's got a great target with Xavier Coates on that right side. Again, mm. he can drift across. He's got a beautiful hole runner in Stags. Uh, yeah. Pierre Kuru looks like he runs a really good line. Pangai, we know what he can do running a line. So there's a great right edge if you can get Sean Johnson. Now, if you also get Scott Drinkwater, mm. you sign Scott Drinkwater. There's essentially two players in one, depending on what we actually want to do with the rest of our spine. You can play Scott on the left as a six. Yeah. And we've seen what he's been doing recently. He's got a lovely little left foot kick, gets it in behind. You'll have guys charging onto that. Great little player as a six. If we manage to sign Milford as well on a 400K deal or whatever it might be, he can be a 5'8 on the left-hand side. Then we've got Scott Drinkwater as a fullback. Then you can move Jermaine to the wing. Again, you've still got a spine with Scott who offers more ball playing than what Jermaine does. And he doesn't have to defend in the front line. So, you know, if we were to get Sean Johnson and Scott Drinkwater, there's two, essentially maybe three players in one if we do give Milford that cut price. And... You know, Scott Drinkwater and Sean Johnson, we might get for the price of Milford's contract alone. So, yeah, that's it, mate. 100% with you on that. And like guys like Drinkwater, his defense is terrible. But like the thing I like about him is that he will not die trying. He, that, that Cowboys team when they start, he wants to create points, wants the balls in his hand, ball in his hand. And this Broncos team desperately needs those kind of players. After the pack's done their work, you've seen it in these, some of these games. Turpin on tackle three or four looks at both the halves and neither of them want it. And it's like, yeah, oh, okay. Like they Drink want water to... or go down with the ship. Yeah, give me the no. fucking ball. One of yeah. those guys. You want one of those guys. Right or wrong, we need someone like that. And yeah, he could be the one or the six. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. You know, say he said, you sign Sean and you sign a drink water. Then you start talking, look, Milford, do you want to play with Sean and drink water? 300 or 400K we're offering you. You say, no, okay, we'll go talk to Ash Taylor. Yeah, exactly right. He, he says, no, okay, well, Aiden Caesar and Widdop have been already like banging our door down apparently. So yeah, we probably get Widdop for like 300K and it's not great, but what it does, it buys us time. Instead of putting another child in, it but buys Widdop us has time. also got a fantastic kicking game. Like yeah. Widdop and Caesar both have fantastic fantastic yeah. kicking games and we, we don't have a half with a fantastic kicking game at the moment. And like I said, that is one huge thing that they need to address is someone that can just... Like the whole running of the team, I think, is a little bit of a an overstatement of what yes. we actually want our seven to do. We don't want anyone to run the team. We just want someone to just put their stamp on a bit of the footy side and take some ownership of the result because no yeah. one cares about the result at the moment except for Haas and Pangai. Yeah, like we've got a forward pack that will do their – and even when the back three will do their job on tackles one to three or four, we haven't got that guy who takes a set over from there. You know, no. Never. And, and, and then it only seems to happen when we're losing some of these games. All of a sudden, you'd see when Milford was playing, oh, yeah, I'm going to pop up on the right-hand side now, down 20. It's, oh, okay. Mm. No, we want someone who puts a stamp on the game when we're in the game. And, and some of these, like, we have the worst strike rate this year for tries in the opposition 20. We've had, like, the Bulldogs have scored more tries from the 20 than we have. Because, and like, that sucks, and they didn't score for three weeks. Yeah, they didn't score for three weeks. We scored, like, <laughs> three or four tries in the 20 because we get down there and it looked fucking listless. And I know that these guys, like, they're, tra- they're not doing nothing at training. They do- they're training in the red zone offense all the time. But yeah. they go out- there's just no ownership of it when they go out in that field. And when it gets to tackles three or four later, nothing. That's well, what they end up in situations. That you, end up- that you end up when guys like Haas and Pangai get selfish because yeah. they look, well, that guy doesn't want the fucking ball. I'll do it. Yeah. And <laughs> like Turpin, it looks like our most creative. Like 
he's the guy that he because the halves aren't owning the game he's like well yeah. i'll try and do something and that's when he'll start pulling pangai underneath him yeah. or throwing a little face ball to Haas, hitting the line something like that but like i say they, they can train it all week but once it gets to the crunch you've got a half that doesn't go to the line enough yeah and then the other half who's just running around in circles at the moment without a real plan or idea on what he wants to do so yeah you know, I, I think Milford could be fine on that left-hand side if Sean Johnson's on the right, just dominating. Like if you're playing yeah. a 60-40 type role with Sean getting the ball the the vast majority of the time and then Milford just yeah. playing off the back of that, that's that's fine. Yeah, the problem with Milford someone. Yeah, has been, you know, the, the contract's too big and also we're relying on him too much. Like mm. he doesn't play well when we throw in the ball 50 times a game. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be happy if he touched the ball 29 times in our game. Yeah, that's as it, long mate. as Sean Johnson's touching at 50. Yeah, like that's 100%. fine. Yeah, but uh, we sh- surely, uh, and I do feel like that drink water thing. That's just they're going to talk to him by by accident. Like it's just going to happen. Yeah. It makes too much sense because honestly, those clubs should be talking about a swap right now. Yeah, two third parties should just be chatting to one another, saying, yeah, "Dearden, do you want to go up there? Scotty, do you want to come down here? Let's just make yeah. it happen." Yeah, go ahead. Feels a need on both sides, really. Like, I mean, get get, get Dearden up there. I mean, there's no point in keeping him here, really. If we can make if we can a get a replacement, like, yeah. yeah, like if we can get a swap for someone like Drinkwater, then yeah, it makes a sense to get it done now. And the, and the other two guys I want the club to target, and I've banged on about these two often on this podcast, but we have to break the rules and do the classic. Oh, just we're going to ask a friend to ask a friend to ask a friend. Talk to Ken Munster and Harry Grant like yesterday. Get on yeah. the fucking phone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know that Munster's blatantly said to the universe that, yeah, I'll come back to Brisbane. Yeah. Like, I would love to play for the, the, <laughs> the Brisbane team. team. And she'd be like, <coughs> play for the first Brisbane team. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, fuck. Like, they have to. I mean, Munster would obviously be huge. Um, but yeah, it, they should be that. He should have been the first guy they called as soon as Kevy took over, really. Like, yeah, because he wants Kevy. He loves him and he loves Alfie. Yeah. So like it should just be those two boys should just be oh Cam you're up here what a what a coincidence we're yeah. up here too you should come That's out it. to dinner with us oh mate Origin when they're playing for card for cards in Origin this year Alfie's got to bet him his contract yeah <laughs> oh, the game absolutely be. yeah That's yeah. it, mate they got to get in his year and then Harry Grant can sign for for twenty twenty. Three in in November, so it's a long time away now. But like that's the other thing I should be doing. Not talk about it. But November first hits, hmm. bang a contract in front of Harry Grant and be like, mate, Bellamy's leaving anyway. Even if he's not with Brisbane, he's not your head coach. Come back to Brisbane and you can you know be the next case with at Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, do you know, whatever you want. Like this is yeah. your team. Like you can yeah. you just play however you want. You tell us what we what we need to do to make you happy up here and. Yeah, they, yeah. they need to make something like that happen because yeah, he is he obviously wants to be back in Queensland. He was yeah. straight back to Queensland as soon as he could last year yeah. or the year before. Like, you know, as soon as COVID was coming out, I think it was in when round two. Yeah. You know, after it got suspended, he was straight in the car up to north. Queensland. He was yeah. going straight to Queensland. Like, yeah, it, it's a no-brainer. You've got to get in, you've got to get in his ear and say, mate, how would you like to come back for next year? That's it, mate. Hundred percent. You get in those guys, and like the one Jake Turpin tries his fucking heart out. Bless him. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure he's like the long term nine we want. But I can buy Jake Turpin for two another year and a half if we can get if we can get a Harry Grant after that. Oh, absolutely. You'd take him in a heartbeat. Like like I said, he he does a job. 
he's not the world's greatest nine. He's not the world's smartest nine. Yeah. He'll, rip in, he'll tackle his guts out sometimes to his own detriment, but you know, you'd sometimes you need one of those guys in the middle. And if he's playing 55 minutes a game, 60 minutes a game, and you know, subbing off for, you know, Levi or whatever to come on yeah. for 20, it's all right. He's a decent hooker there for 18 months. That's fine. Yeah. That is, um, yeah, but they got to target Harry. That's the other thing. The market, that is what the market's drawing. There's lots of halves out there, which is rare. There's fuck all hookers. Mm. <laughs> like, but there's oh. fuck all good hookers in the anyway, comp at the moment, yeah, really. Yeah. Like there's what, five or six really like good hookers yeah. that you that you'd really want to go after. Yeah, that's it, mate. And then like Jake Simkin just re after the Tigers. We want to go for a prospect, but like Brandon Smith, I don't know if that's even still available because he now seems to be happy at the storm again. But yeah. He's like the only one. And other than that, I look like I'll try to look at anyone even close off contract, and it's not good because teams are locking down their hookers. Well, that, yeah, because it's such a, you know, it's such a skinny position at the moment. You've got to, if you get one that's a seven out of 10, then you take them, you lock them up. Like there's not going to be much out there better for you. So you, you've got to lock those guys up when you can. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, mate. So uh, I guess we kind of settle on. So primary, like candidates, really, it's like Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds. That's not going to happen. Hey, it seems it's like happen, so, no. he's sharks. He's sharks. Bound. Yeah. Sean Johnson, Milford on a cheap deal, Mitchell Moses, Aiden Caesar, Gareth Widdop. We've got to be missing someone here. Break Cam Munster's contract. Scott <laughs> Drinkwater. Scott Drinkwater. Like, there's actual candidates. I actually do think, like, if I put down on paper the ones I'd want, like, reasonable priced, and we could, and it gives us more options. I'd love to do Sean Johnson and Drinkwater. Yeah, absolutely, it would. Because, like, we could, then the Drinkwater one lets us, as you said, it can solve two issues for us. We yeah. can figure out who's the six or the one. Or we just go with it and we go, next year, okay, we'll have Sean and Drinkwater and Osako plays one. Yeah, exactly right. There's, like, and then you know, if it if it doesn't work, then obviously drink water can go back to one, and yeah, you know, you figure it out from there. So, and then you know, if and then Stags might be able to play six as well. Like you know, if yeah. he takes up the deal that they're gonna give him or whatever it may be, you know, I think he still should be playing center. But if he's the last piece of the puzzle that yeah. just happens to fall into six, and you know, then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I don't think we should be signing him as a six, and then neither. So we need, like I said, we need experience. And I, I think yeah. Drinkwater and, and Johnson could be a, a pretty decent halves combo. Yeah, I think that's what we need to, and it looks like the club are doing that. They've kind of cooled off on talk, like renewing, signing contracts. But they have to figure that out first and then we'll yeah. see what happens. Because I, I feel like you can guarantee if we went and got Sean Johnson, because again, a lot of these fellas are in the generation of they would have played, what Sean Johnson play most of their life anyway these young fellas get sean and if you get like a drink water or something maybe you'll find out that some of the other guys like stags actually won't he doesn't want 700 he might want 550 you know mm. maybe you want five maybe yeah, you'll figure exactly. some of that out because currently there's not a lot of incentive to give us a discount <laughs> no but and there's there's not really a lot of, i mean i know we've lost a lot of young guys and that sort of thing but yeah. losing a center isn't gonna kill us no it's not mate i mean i'm, I'm okay with running with herbie on one and then New, testy the other one or figure the other center out if we have to like yeah like it's not yeah again he he's a center centers look at what para doing with Opechik. like you don't need someone who's worth eight hundred thousand dollars playing in the centers yeah if your team's rolling Opechik and near core can do the job apparently yeah <laughs> like they don't, they don't need that so that's but i wanted to dovetail into that though i know it's not really related but if we were to sign, say, a drink water and we moved Osaka back to being a winger, 
I do feel like in the next couple of weeks, if another team looks at Corey Oates and sees his form now, and they're like, you know what, we're interested, we should be like, thanks, but no thanks, Corey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate, take it up. You, yeah, like he's he's another guy that's you know was was thinking that he had more worth than what he actually did. If you yeah. get me, like you know, wanted to play in the back row and then. Kev's like, all right, well, you're going to have to go back and play Q Cup because you haven't really played back row. And he pretty quickly found out that, oh, I thought I was a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, you're not. Kev like, nailed that one, by the way, mate. He's got a lot of things wrong. He's yeah. the halves this year. He nailed how he managed Corey Oates. Oates is, hasn't been, he's playing decent, but he's played his best footy in like two years in these two games. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was back carrying footy and, I, you know, you heard it when he got interviewed. He's like, oh, yeah, being dropped sort of made me realize that playing for the Broncos is actually a good thing. Yeah, and you know, it was like, well, yeah, that's what it should be like. That's what everyone should be feeling. Yeah, and not taking you can for, tell that for most of them haven't felt that way. So, yeah, um, and, yeah, and that's a good thing about like even the Milford dropping had some other guys talking about it too. And it's like, yeah, perform where you get fucking dropped, which is good. But, but I like that change. But yeah, Corey, if he's, I've, I, I've been a Corey fan forever, but I just we're at that point now. We fucked up so many contracts. If we resign Xavier Coates for five hundred k and Corey's on like five, six hundred the other side. It's like, fuck, can we not end up in a spot where we're paying like a million for wingers, 700 yeah. for stags, and then we have no money for a spine again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. And yeah. you know, it sounds like that that's the sort of moves they're starting to make. Like yeah. we have to start prioritizing. Like I said, it's two position players in that spine. It doesn't have, we don't have to spend $4 million on four players in a spine. Yeah. But given that Milford's, you know, $1 million contract is coming up this year. If we can get two spine players for that contract plus a little bit more, then we're going to be in a position where we can go, all right, now we can start to look again at re-signing some other guys. You know, stags, you want 700, we'll give you six. Yeah. If you take it, great. If not, probably not that big a loss considering we still have a little bit of talent in the outside backs. Like you said, Herbie and Tessie both yeah. can play centers. So, you know, We've, we've got to start being a little bit more cutthroat with some of these younger guys who haven't really done that much but yeah. are asking for big money. We can be like, well, how about you play to show us you're worth that much, not yeah. be a prospect thinking you should be worth this much. Like we've got to start paying people on how they've performed rather than how we think they'll perform. Yeah, you can get away with a couple of how we think you performs, but we have too many of how we think you performs. Like you can get away with a couple. Like when the Titans bet on Tino preseason last year, people laughed at that contract. And they've had they had a lot of bad contracts around that the Titans did, but they bet on him and Fafita. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> they, they yeah. And they got like Corey Thompson cheap, Jamal Fogarty's reserve grade contract yeah. starting and happening the fucking side. Like, yeah, that's it. That you know, but they didn't go the old Titans would have gone and signed five or six guys on potential. They only yeah. went and got two, but they worked out. Whereas we've got like Again, I don't want to half back onto it, but we're still paying Joe O, I think, to play elsewhere. We've got like Matt Lodge paid as one of the best props in the game. Flegler's overs. Corey Oates played like a rep winger. <laughs> like, whatever. Heaps of them. Heaps of guys yeah. paid at their ideal scenario. Yeah. And-, and I think that there's, at the end of this year, I think we can actually get rid of a few of those. Yeah. Um, like, there's a few guys off contract that we can actually start to finally shed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are those mid range contracts that, while they don't look over exorbitant at some, yeah. yeah, they're just too big for who those people actually are. Like just the hundred thousand too much here, hundred fifty thousand too much there. 
you know, it's not one contract that's just handbreaking us. It's a bunch of those mid-range ones that are the real anchors on us. You know, we can get rid of Milford's contract at the end of the year. That's one big one. But then there's yeah. four others there that are just really sort of chumming the waters. Yeah, that's it. And I think like Matt Lodge's contract's so bad, we're going to have to pay someone 200K or so a year to take it. But, you know, well, that's what you got to do if you want to make that space and actually get spend, spend some money on halves. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I know they're not really supposed to be talking to anyone until Donahue starts, but it already looks like the leak everywhere is that we're going to talk to Sean Johnson, which is like, I, th- I think that'll get rubber stamped by a new CEO regardless. But Yeah. yeah. And it's the other good thing is that like our retention has been so bad and recruitment has been so bad that it seems that Kevy's actually started getting all of the, uh, the old boys involved in starting to point the finger that way, rather than just pointing out the coach. Like, like it's I good. said, Kevy's not a great coach tactically or anything like that, but he knows how a football club should look. He knows how a team makeup should look. Um, mm-hmm. He should be one of the first people you listen to in terms of how you actually set up a successful team. I mean, he's won the most premierships out of any player over and he the was last at a, 50 years. A lot of winning clubs he worked at as well. Yeah, exactly like, right. So like, you know, him getting everyone to start actually pointing the finger at Nolan and, and the job that he's done um, is really, really smart. And, you know, now that reports are starting to come out that, you know, the fingers getting pointed at him and he's got like one more shot to actually pull something out of the fire for us in terms of a, you know, a big signing. So it, it's a good thing to see. Yeah, it is. And and I don't know, I've come around a lot more on him being the right coach for Brisbane right now. Cause I feel like if you handed this to a rookie coach again, it would have been just fucked, yeah. you know, but it, he's definitely not put any blame on the former admin, any of that shit. He's put ownership on the current group to get results but also ownership on the current recruitment to stop fucking up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's a big like, thing. Like he's got to, if he wants, if he, if he's going to be successful, he needs the recruitment team to recruit players that can actually help him be successful. Yeah. And that's just not what's happening at the moment. And, you know, you're seeing it with the Tigers, like Madge is starting to get scapegoated for how this team performs. And it's just been year after year of sack coaches at the Tigers and, all the front office and all the people and all the support staff still say the same, yeah. but they just think the coach will change. It's like, no, you've got to start actually, you know, looking inward before you can look outward. Yeah. hundred percent. And that, that's good. And I, and I guess what we're waiting for is Dave Don, he gets appointed. What is it? This Saturday now? Finally. Yeah. The first of May. Yeah. And I know we're setting way too high of a bar. We've been waiting so long for him. People are like, hope, Oh, day two or day three is going to be changing the world. But it's like, it does feel like that's the next line they have to cross to like start actually bringing on more cultural change at the club and so i'm hoping from that day that you know we might see some changes in in the recruitment department how pete nolan's still there now and i'm not you know gunning for his job but it's just bizarre that like the board didn't scapegoat him it's weird it like, is weird especially his contracts uh, yeah like given the results and and everything that he's done for the club in terms of the like you look at those lists of players, look at all of the contracts that are next to them. And you're like, how yeah. did we get here? Yeah. Look at no wonder your caps in, you know, a bit of a mess. Like the Milford $1 million contract isn't that bad when you look at his performances to get that contract. Yes. It's all these other contracts that he's given to all these other players that you're like, who was asking for Flegler at $600,000? Yeah. And if they, who and was if our it, opposition, yeah. if the Titans were going to pay that, let them. 
Yeah, <laughs> is it? That's it. They're gonna do it. like that was there. The Flagler one. I know Joe one's gone, but it's like Flagler Joe, and then paying Lodge and Haas was cheap, but still you paid Haas and you paid Carrigan. It's like and then you paid Pango. It was also a middle in that rotation. You're like fuck, we spent like three or four million dollars on six players, yeah. <laughs> like who play the same position. Yeah, yeah, we're paying a million dollars <laughs> for two players that are gonna play fifty minutes a week. You're combined, yeah, and then you're like, well, okay, we spent a million on Milford. Now, where the the rest of them would we'll just stick it, stick it together, an eighteen year old and Brody Croft, and hope it works out. Like, yeah, whatever. but um, yeah, it is interesting. I, I am looking forward to what um, Donahue can do. Like I said, we've probably put undue expectation on him, but given the performances of the last group, I think you know it's just going to be the small things that he does early that'll really sort of start to turn the club around, and you know there'll be a few. F- front office decisions that he's got to make. Like I said, with mm-hmm. Nolan, um, you know, I, I can't see him lasting till the end of the year. No way. Especially but, like, the, apparently he bottled the Reese Walsh stuff too. The, the rest of the club bottled him. It's like, well, there's no way. Yeah. Like it, there's just, yeah. I, I And that's just going to be Donna. He's, he's going to have to get, I'm sure that he knows plenty of people up here in Queensland, you know, obviously yeah. Storm set up camp on the sunny coast. They've, yeah. You know, they've got the feeder team on the sunny coast. They've had East and everything like that. So Donna, he's obviously got plenty of people that he knows up here in terms of recruitment, retention mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing that has been scouting those clubs. So I, I don't think we'll have any any dramas in in finding someone that can actually spot proper talent. Yeah, that's it. And I think I don't even think we even need someone to spot talent. We get given talent by default. We just need someone who's like, hey, let's not fuck the salary cap up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it. Like, he went to the club with like it's like the easiest club to get roster management at the Brisbane. It's like you have all these options, and you can actually before he fucked it, it was really easy to get players to come to Brisbane too. Mm. But you yeah, can't do that's any that if you sign them all for too much money. Like, yeah, and it's like it was like the slightest. As soon as there was a slightest hint of a player maybe getting someone else interested in him, it's like give them all the money. Let's yeah. lock them up. You know, I don't care what it takes. Just pay them so they stay here and like. We're a, we're a team of never options. was. Yeah. Yes. You know, right. We're not has-beens or anything. We're never was at the moment. Yeah. And and that's the worst thing is like, we're a, we've got a full salary cap of people that never were anything. Yeah. And the, and the worst thing as well is actually a lot of them are talented. And some of those guys might go elsewhere and be worth that money. But it's like they those guys, and we can all see it now, but the people at the club, they spend every day with these players. They had to have known that was the wrong mix of men. Yeah. I mean, Chris Gary came, yeah. Chris Gary came on the podcast a year ago, and you know, even really before, went to shit fully, saying like, "This is the wrong group of men." Like they're just from even being there, like there's not enough. Like they've they've seen the good Broncos not that long ago, and it was just a mix of shit of children, but also there was there's no real standout leaders in these children, and there's a lot of naturally gifted guys, but not 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 a lot of smart footy players, and it's not a recipe for success. Yeah, and when when you best leader is the dude who went on a rampage in New York, however many years ago, yeah. you know, you're really, really struggling. That's it, mate. But and that was the crux of Renoff's point the other day. He said, this team should never be together. It should never have ever looked like this. Yeah. Um, and he's a hundred percent right. Like that it's completely muffled. Yeah. And if any team can do what Penrith are doing now, we are the other team that can do that. We have had the junior nurseries to do that, but they've done that with like, we have no Nathan Cleary. You know, we have no guy who puts his stamp on the result. We have no Nathan Cleary. 
We have no Appy Coruscant. We didn't sign him back. We had no James Tarmow. We have no James Mr. Harris. We've, we have we have Payne Haas. That's what we have. We have Payne Haas <laughs> and a bit of Tavita Pango who want to put their name on results. That's like yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, for, Jermaine hasn't been the world's greatest fullback, but he's actually getting in. Good. He's getting stuck in. His defense positionally wise has been really really good. I think the first week or whatever he got found out with a couple of kicks in behind yeah. hasn't happened since you know, really quickly molded his game or his defense to, to actually just be in the best position possible. And, and he's doing everything that his skill set at the moment is allowing him to do, which is yeah. just fine. Like he's, he's putting in the work that he can do, but you'd, like you said, it's only, it's pain, it's TPJ at mm. times. And then, you know, and then Turpin is probably the, the other one that's actually sort of really having a dig every week. Yeah. Okay, anyway, let's move on from recruitment and retention. Everyone's got our, got our opinions there. We'll do questions <laughs> soon. But firstly, we'll, we'll start with the Titans game and then talk a little bit about the Parry game. But we've got not a debut, but kind of a debut because he got knocked the fuck out last <laughs> time so he played. But we've got another new Haas pairing. We've got Milford back after his two-week exodus, which hopefully that changes. We have Tyson Gamble in, who's like a six-foot-three fucking halfback. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Do, have you seen much of Tyson? Uh, I've only seen a little bit of him. Um, you obviously chopped up some footage of him playing yeah. for Norse this year. He's um, he's obviously playing well for Norse. I mean, they're on top. Uh, but I remember I remember him playing last year, and I was I was pretty keen to watch him because he is a bigger body, five mm. um, eight sort of in a locks body sort of thing. So he he's a big boy. He's got a big boot on him, um, which should bode well for us. At least we might be able to sort of create some pressure and kick out of our own end but i'm i'm really keen to see him play i don't think he's going to be the savior or anything like that but um it's just going to be nice to have someone that looks like he actually takes the line on um that's willing to get hit uh mm-hmm. you know that's willing to sort of put his stamp on the game and um and obviously milford's back as well and he looked like he had a little bit of a better game uh last week for south than he did the first time back so hopefully two weeks has given him a bit of a wake-up call and you know he can come out and just play some normal footy again. We don't need him to be a miracle worker. Just take the line on, you know, kick when he needs to kick. And, and um, yeah, hopefully he can sort of get us on the front foot a bit. That's it, that was the one advantage when he wasn't there against Penrith. And I hate dissing MILF because I love the MILF, and, I, and even though he's failed for us. But it was the way the team played straight, and it wasn't like – I know it wasn't great, but in that game, Brody did kind of do his job. Yeah, you know, and uh, Milford, I'd like to see him just play off the back of the forwards going straight and and simplify his game a little. Like you know, sometimes he has those. As we've all seen those runs when he gets the ball, goes left, and it stops, and he stops, and he runs back a little, goes right, whatever, and then do- gets tackled on tackle four. And you're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Because yeah, now think- the halfback has to run for the other side of the field. <laughs> yeah, and I think Milford's actually he'll be better off playing through the middle yes. as well, like. The way he plays footy, he should be coming off a little tip on or a little offload from, you know, Haas or Lodge or Panga or someone like that that's playing through the middle. And and there was times against Parra and against Penrith where something like that was on, but Crofton did and didn't quite take it. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need someone to be able to do. Don't play too wide. Get in closer to the ruck and use your footwork around some of those forwards when we're rolling. And if he can get in and do that, then we're going to be in a little bit better position. And, you know, if he does that and Jermaine plays one wide of him, then we can spread it wide after that. But I think if he can play in a little bit tighter to the ruck and 
play off the back of some offloads or a quick turp and dart out, something like that, then uh, then yeah, we'll be better off. Yeah, and, and for Tyson Gamble, I, my expectation is I've set them very low. Not that I don't think he's any talent, but it's like, I just, I have the bare minimum expectation for him is like, I've seen him, he can kick the ball long and hard, big boot on him, tackles hard and, and play straight. And that's literally all I want. I was like, that's how my expectations are for a half now. It's like, if he can kick all right, do his tackling and then, you know, play straight a little, I'm satisfied. And he's coming in like a 24 year old who has plied his trade for, for many a year in reserve grade. And those generally, those guys, not saying they always work out, but we've seen a couple of the last few years, guys like, you know, Jamal Fogarty or Cody Walker, who came into first grade at like 25 again, who like took the opportunity. Like Fogarty didn't really kill it last year for the first half of the year. It was fine. He didn't let him down. And yeah. I'm sick of being let down by other guys. So Carson comes in there and just holds his own. I'm happy to let him find his feet for a few weeks and see what goes from there because I don't want to go back to Grody Croft and there's no benefit of Tom Dearden currently. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of like someone like Gamble, who's who does just play straight. They're the guys you need as a half because a half playing straight creates doubt in the defense. Like they don't know if he's going to dummy and go or if they don't know who he's going to pass. So just being able to hold up that defender gives time for our outside guys. And we just don't have that at the moment. And, you know, whether whoever our center is out on that side, whether it's Tessie or Arthur's or, or Herbie or whoever it's going to be like, if Gamble can play straight and you've got a back rower running a line out there, mm. that just creates space by playing straight, you know, rather than playing sideways, which we do. Yeah. And I did see when he played the Norse Devils, so he played Northern Pride, sorry. He played like a, a younger fullback. I hadn't played, played much uh, Q, QRL, QCAR, and he abused him with his kicking game. So if he's smart enough to pick that out, I'm hoping he can pick, he kicked early a couple of times into space, kicked the 40-20 and forced a mistake from, from that fullback. And they're all from in his own half. And it's like, yeah, if we can get someone who can do that, we're always going to have that awkward spot between outside the opposition of the 40, we don't know where to kick. We don't know how to kick when we're not on the other team's 40 because Milford puts a bomb up anyway. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. dude, yeah, find it. some grass. Like, yeah, <laughs> allow our chasers to actually get down to a corner. The whole reason that you kick to a corner is so they only have one way to go, so you can set your defensive line yeah. to actually create Genius pressure. Stuff. I know Genius. it's wild, but you know maybe that's something that we should actually start to do: is kick to a corner, kick early, kick in behind the winger. Then we can actually start to build some pressure on, uh, you know, on our defensive side. Sounds novel, mate. Sounds novel. And then, um. <laughs> I do think we're a chance this weekend, though. Like, I know people think we're shit house, but we are not as shit as last year. We're not. People think we are. We're not. No, definitely not. And we're actually, you know, we we held, we beat Par. Sorry, we beat the Bulldogs. Whatever. We held our own with Penrith at Par at home. Have a positive for and against at home somehow. Still terrible on the road, but I do think that it being at home, we will have we'll have a fair dig at the Titans, and we weren't that bad against them last time either. We lost that game in a ten minute period. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was a 10 minute it. period before halftime and Fifi got at Milford. Yeah. So Gamble's going to be defending on that Milford, on that Fafita side. And, and that's a good thing. I think it'll be Gamble and TPJ out there. Yeah. So, uh, and if TPJ can, you know, muscle up like he did against Kikau, who was pretty much a non-factor against yeah. us when Penrith played, um, then, you know, like I said, we are every chance of actually matching it with them. I think our forward pack can actually get through the middle uh, against yeah. theirs and it'll just be dependent on how our halves decide to play like if they if they actually want to play footy and maybe test the line 
that'd be great. You know, I'd, I'd like to see him actually try and win the game rather than just trying to stay in the game. That's it, mate. And I, and I do think like there's no middle. I don't think we can like when Payne Haas is playing. I think we can beat win the middle all the fucking time. Like yeah. he's incredible, and he would have some. If we were any good right now, his numbers would be ridiculous. His numbers are good already now. If you imagine if we were actually good and had possession, he'd be averaging over. He'd be averaging Taumalolo numbers from a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's been he's been a monster. I think he's averaging about 180 or 175. Yeah, he is anyway, but he'd be doing anyway, like two, yeah. 220 or so if, he, if we were in a fucking good side. Yeah, if we had an even cut of possession, like I mean, we're probably only getting the ball 45% of the time at the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, so and yeah, he's I mean, I'd love Payne to actually come onto the ball a bit harder rather yeah. than sort of he, he gets the ball a little bit flat footed, um, which is wild considering the numbers and post contact numbers that he makes, but I wouldn't mind him coming off the back fence a little bit more, um, you know, but maybe just because he's quite agile and he's got a little bit of late footwork, yeah. he doesn't necessarily need that. But um, he had that little yeah. period in the first half against Para when he was doing that and he carried one of the, like, he had that like 30 meter run because he just came off the back fence. Hey? Yeah. Like a Paliasena areas. I, I just want to see him, you know, cause he's, a, he's quick. I mean, he's going to knock people over like 10 pins if he can actually, you know, get the ball with a full head of steam. So it'd be good to see. Yeah, and I'm pretty happy with the rest of the 17. I don't love Jesse Arthur's in the centers, but whatever. Like, um, David Last May of our doing, problems. That's it. David <laughs> Mee was doing a fine job on the wing, but it was it was Corey Oates' time. Yeah. His, but then now it's like me at the centers. What are we doing here? Get him out of there. Yeah, so. he, he's not a center. He's got a, you know, like, and neither's Kenner. Like, you can't have yeah. two guys like that defending in the centers. It's just, yeah, we need guys who are actually sort of natural centers to be able to defend there just because it is that awkward spot to defend. You've got to be the other, the guy who either comes up or, or pushes wide. So you've got to dictate what your winger does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you need, you need someone who is confident playing in the centers to, to defend there. hundred percent, mate. And it's definitely the last couple of weeks. Xavier coach has been shit scared of something because he's charging in like no other. So hopefully we can sort that out as well. Yeah. But... Lack of confidence. And that's what it yeah. is. It's lack of confidence in your inside guy. And uh, that's the only reason why you fly in because you don't want to get left posted. Yeah. You know, if, if a center just rushes up and all of a sudden you'll stand there with your dick in your hand trying to defend yeah. two different blokes, you're like, well, I'm a dead man. Just You're just standing there. So that's that's the tendency with wingers is they, they rush up because they're, they're afraid of getting left posted by the inside guy. So it's big communication uh, it is, thing mate. defending in the centers. It is. And it's like, yeah, you charge up and it's also it's a lack of trust. And then some other guys, it's selfishness as well. Not wingers. Usually the guys is that they panic lack of trust, but sometimes you'll see a half jam in. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Selfish, lazy move. Yeah. They they took the easy route, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You you know, you try and look like the hero and you're often becoming the villain. So yeah, that's it. So hopefully we we can figure that out there. And yeah, Pangai on for feeder. I mean, Fafida is going to dominate pretty much anyone physically. That's what he does. Yeah. But yeah, stem the flow is, is the generally the hope there. Maybe we'll rust him up a little. And I think, you know, with Gamble, as we've seen, he's got a tendency to lift that line speed. And, and yeah. Pangai also, he likes to get off the line. So, I mean, if we've got both of those guys defending next to each other, taking yeah. time away from Fifi when he gets the ball, um, yeah. you know, that can only be a good thing. I just hope the rest of the team sort of pushes up as well like because we don't have the best line speed it's quite we're quite sort of passive so um if yeah if we can start actually getting off the line quickly with pangai and gamble and that sort of thing on that right hand side defensively then then they should be able to sort of nullify a little bit 
Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing in that Penrith game. It was the first time we'd had line speed in like a decade. It felt yeah. like... Oh, man. So, I haven't seen it since the, the Bennett coach sides in like yeah. 2015 and 16. Yeah, 100%. But I do think... You think you're a shot? I think we're a shot. I mean, I think, I'm not going to say we're going to win it, but I, th- I think no, we're going to stay... They're definitely strong. a shot. Like I said, yeah. if it's at home and our forwards play, then we're going to be in most of the contests. It's going to be about us being able to ice the game. And yeah. that's where we've really struggled is being able to ice a game. Like Penrith game there for the taking, but we had yeah. no one there who was confident enough to, to grab it by the balls and, and go for the win. hundred percent. Do we want to talk about the Parramatta game at all? We're just going to move past it. <laughs> I mean, what, what's to say? I mean, they, they ended up getting trounced. It was away from home. They're very poor away from home, but again, it was a period just before halftime and just after halftime where yeah. we got ourselves right into the contest. It was six all for a while. And again, we didn't have anyone to take advantage of the field position that our boys could actually give them. And then I think it came off the back of one set. We were really dominant mm. and then Croft kicked it dead and then they scored at the other that, end. That was it. And yeah, we had 40% possession. As you said earlier, we never have possession, <laughs> but we, um, what we can see to the 28th and the 31st, 34th minute. Yeah. Just like the time we lost to the Titans. So in that game, and then that the forwards cracked. You know, they, they ran out of gas. So we didn't take yeah. advantage of it. And they it cracked. It was weird. I think the, my, I had a little theory that like yeah. the forward pack must get so frustrated oh, yeah. by doing their job so well for 25 minutes, getting us right into a game, and then getting absolutely nothing to show for it. Like I said, we didn't get anything to show for it with Dearden and Croft they didn't create anything and, and it ended up being Pangai trying to go for barge overs or Haas yeah. going for a crash ball. Like the forwards got absolutely no reward for their hard work because we had a pair of halves that couldn't create anything for anyone else. Yeah. And it must be so deflating that they've done all this hard work. Then they watch their useless halfback kick it dead. Oh fuck. Now we've got a defender set because they're going to come straight through the middle and it must just be so like just incredibly frustrating for them to not only do all the hard work to get them down the field, but then have to defend seven tackles with the opposition coming straight back at them. Yeah. I can't remember which game it was. I know in a game earlier in the season and it might've been the Titans game in round two. And at the start of that game, people might not remember, but we should have like, we bombed like two or three tries. One of the tries was so open. Croft just had to walk through a gap and he didn't, he gave a short ball, but apparently after that game in the video review, the pack called out the halves. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. we go down the field and then there's, we do it on the field and you guys don't do anything. You don't make any calls. You don't get the, like. Yeah. yeah. And that's evident. <laughs> it's that is so evident. that, Like I said, that was the glaring thing that I took away from the Penrith game. Like, that we could stay in the game with our forward pack. As long as yeah. they were doing their job, we can stay in it. But yeah. then the halves are just, they're nowhere to be seen. There's no creativity. There's no ownership and there's just no leadership. Yep. And the tries we scored in those games, again, it was it was off a kick and then Pangai scored off of it. And then the other one was Bullmore scored off the... Brody Croft went to the line for the first time in his career, back on the inside. And then Penrith obviously didn't know Bullmore was actually an athletic freak. Yeah. Burst through instead the fullback. But like... And I think the thing that surprised me most about that try was how Croft looked when he threw that pass. He yeah. was terrified. That yeah. he was that close to the line. I know. <laughs> he was honestly, I have never seen a guy more uncomfortable in my life throwing a pass. He got he got scared he got too close, mate. It was a thought back it was. on the inside too. He fast. like he shoved it like it was a yeah. hot potato, like, oh shit, this isn't mine. 
Yeah, and then somehow Bournemouth went through a gap, and then yeah, yeah but that's, it's, that's it. they didn't create, but those tries happened. But again, it wasn't really anything the Haas created. No, that was created <laughs> on the back of good, fast play the ball. Yeah, through the middle. Yeah, he, that's not creating a try when you just give an inside ball to a forward. Yeah, after a couple of good play the balls <laughs> yeah. at all, and then the other one was yeah, for kick. So yeah, yeah, but that was a that paramount game. We'll forget about it. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. Let's move on to questions here. I think I'll start out on Facebook. Oh, here we go. Bluey Forster, or Foster, sorry if I got your last name wrong there, says, with Donahue's arrival, do you think Peter Nolan will get the ass for the shit job he's done? And who do you think will follow him? Uh, I do think he'll go. Um, it's going to be a matter of when, not if, I think. Yeah. Um, as in, in terms of following, I think there's already been one of the board members has stood down. Yeah. Um, I dare say there'll probably be another couple of those gone throughout the year, end of the year. Um, but yeah, Nolan will be going at some stage. I think I just, he's the job he's done has just been so bad. And they probably need to redefine, like they've cleaned a lot of the place out. They probably need to redefine what the fuck Lockyer is supposed to do as well. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think Lockyer should be anywhere near recruitment retention. He should be a whole, he should just be one of those guys like what Kronk does. You know, he's a, Just be the face of the club. You know, that's what yeah. people love you for. The fans don't want you to be, you know, involved in the day-to-day running of the place or, you know, he just, he just hasn't done a good job with mm-hmm. what he's meant to be doing at the moment. Like, just be a corporate guy. Corporate guy, that's it, mate. And then, yeah, maybe come to training once a week with the halves. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, just be, be, be an ambassador for the club. Don't be well, involved I, in the decision-making. I think we've spoken before that, like, guys like Lockyer and that, who can't necessarily explain why they mm. were so good, make it hard for them to coach players. Yeah. Because you're like, why can't you just do the things that I could do? Well, cause I'm not fucking Darren Lockyer. Yeah. That's it, like mate. that's why Cronk is such a good person to analyze and coach people because he had to change everything that he did as a rugby league player to suit a style of game that could mm. actually get him to first grade and everything like that. Like yeah. he wasn't he a half to like you- 20. Yeah, he can tell you step by step everything that he did to become what he is. And yeah. that's something that he can pass on to halfbacks and five eights. So, yeah, I think Lockyer should just be the corporate guy and do a little bit of one on one training with some, you know, with our halves from time to time. I mean, we're not the first club to have a club legend, you know, retire and move on and whatever. But like other teams, for example, we've had many a legend. You look at even the bloody Knights didn't give the reins to the Johns brothers for fuck's sake. The Cowboys didn't give Thurston a bazillion roles. Somehow no, we Thurston's gave Lockyer. Just doing, he's doing a little bit of one-on-one coaching and yeah. media stuff. Like he's, he's just yeah. again. But he's doing. You know, he's Lock- the guy that you send to to get people to come to the club. And just say, hey, this is. That's what, what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they did with Dearden because Dearden grew up idolizing Thurston, and I'm not saying that like, you know, that's why Dearden went there. But it's like that's what Lockyer should be doing. And apparently, went with. Alfie to Pierre Curie's house and they re- sorry with Kevy when they got Pierre Curie to actually stay. That's what Lockie should be doing. You yeah. shouldn't be making recruitment decisions, recruitment decisions. But if the recruitment retention committee goes, look, we want that guy. Yeah. You got that meeting. You put the down Lockie charm on there. You tell you tell your old stories. Maybe do a club tour. And yeah. Then fuck off. Yeah, Darren Lockie <laughs> should be the concierge. That's it, mate. I'll get your bags to your room and then you won't see me again. <laughs> that's it. Fuck off when the contract comes <laughs> yeah, out. You're yeah. not negotiating the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, Jamie Ma asks Reynolds, Johnson, or Moses? If I had to pick from the three, I, again, Reynolds would be fantastic, but I think we can rule him out. Yeah. So if out of 
Johnson and Moses, I'd probably take Johnson mainly because he'll be probably 400 grand cheaper. Yeah, I'm a Sean Johnson stand from way back, but if it was all things equal, I would take Reynolds because that's what we need him a bit more than we need Sean, the yes, way he plays. Definitely. But I'm a Sean Johnson guy. I love Sean. So Sean over Moses. But Reynolds would have definitely ticked more than one box for us. Yep. Okay. Stuart asks, Stuart Foster says, what's the chance DCE signs for us next year? Uh, probably zero. Yeah. He's, his contract's too big for us anyway. Like we can't get rid of Milford's contract only to give a contract out that's 200 grand bigger. Yeah. That's, that's my thing. I don't, so he's turning 33 next year, which doesn't mean he can't have two, two more years in him. But I do not want a 33-year-old halfback on $1.3 million or $1.2 million a year. No. I don't care how good he is. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's exactly what's wrong with the club now. Yeah. But like, <laughs> Cherry Evans looked just as bad as Milford while Tom Turbo wasn't playing. Yeah. Like terrible. Tom, Tom came back and he actually started to look good. But this was the whole argument that we've had about the club not putting the right places or the right pieces in place for Milford. Like... Daily Cherry Evans isn't going to do anything if he doesn't have the right pieces around him. And we can't pay someone that amount of money when we need other pieces to suit his game. Yeah. hundred percent, mate. Like, and I know that it might be a world if somehow, if somehow this manly getting rid of him bullshit's true, probably isn't. If there's a world we can get him like 700 K. Okay. Great. Yeah, for but sure. I don't, I don't believe that world exists. No, <laughs> no. Uh, Matt Siggs asks, who's our next captain? He says, maybe Haas. He seems to be the standout in the effort department. Yeah, Haas is definitely a, a contender for it. Um, again, uh, our squad's so thin in that in that area. It's just, it's hard to say. Like, for me, whoever they sign to come and play seven is getting the captain um, badge as well. Yeah, I, that's it. Like, I... Um... If I had to pick my current roster, I would pick Payne Haas as the next one, but I don't think the captain is necessarily on the roster, the next captain. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't think the next captain is on the roster. Yeah, okay. Uh, next question comes from uh, just a bit of a dig. Lockie says, should we sign Mitchell Moses on a $1.3 million a year deal with three years of player options? Yes, yes, we should. Only if those player options... He can dictate how much he gets paid as well. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's it. There's more options. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Shipper says, "Oh God, this is a good one." So he says, "Why do we always try and score, go for a try when we rarely, when we're down the opposition end? We never go for repeat sets. Also, why do we show up one week and look really good, then the next week play like a steaming pile of dog shit?" Probably because when we play well, we're at home. Yeah, and when we don't play well, we're not at home. Yeah. Uh, as for not being able to kick for a repeat set, I just don't think our halves are that skilled. Yeah, and then we don't. But, we we want to score all the time when we have the ball. We have yeah, that problem. We yeah. I mean, we we can't seem to see that building pressure is a good thing. Yeah. It's, I don't get it either. But yeah, this um. <laughs> And oh, well, I've just lost my brain there. Uh, yeah, the thing as well, the part of being mentally weak, not being good professionals and not like not being a strong group, part of it is how they don't turn the fuck up every week and it's also don't turn up away from home. They can't yeah. get themselves up on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. It is. And yeah, anyway, we've got though, we have Suncorp this week, Townsville next week, and then Suncorp. And then I think a couple of weeks later, yeah, we have like a, a, a month we don't leave Suncorp. Which yeah. not not the best draw. It's bunnies first, whatever. But then we have sharks, buy, and then tigers. 
there's some runs coming there where we might think we're good for a few weeks in a row. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we might. And but you know, it yeah. might just take a couple yeah. of those games to actually, especially if they can get a couple of wins out of it, that might actually start bleeding into confidence on the road, especially mm. if they actually start playing footy where, like I say, creating pressure and yeah. building that little bit of sort of possession and that little bit of field dominance and that sort of thing. If they can actually start doing that at home then that might actually slowly start to translate into performances on the road. That's it. Okay. Um, okay. Western asked when will Carmichael Hunt be in the team? He can't play until – he hasn't even signed the deal, by the way. He can't play until round 11 if he signs it. Um, Alex Hattersley asked, why wasn't Walsh our six? One week at the Warriors and he's starting. Are they not watching Q-Cup? Um, well, I mean, I, he probably shouldn't be the Kiwis six. He shouldn't really. be their six. Yeah, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> Don't look at the what the Warriors are doing with him now and go, that's the right way to do it. Because like, their head coach literally said this week, he, like he went to that game expecting to lose and debuted Reese Walsh. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, I mean, you, I wouldn't look at I wouldn't look at him playing six as a good move. I mean, mm. they, he played at fullback last week and Roger played on the wing. I mean, this has been the guy who's been one of the best fullbacks in the game for the last five yeah. years. I mean, it's yeah. I, I wouldn't read too much into him playing at six. Yeah. hundred percent. Like um, who knows how he takes the, the lineup uh, this week anyway, but I don't think that means we should have been playing him there. I do believe, and this is a crazy thing, but some players need development time. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of these young guys who weren't in first grade last year were robbed of that last year. And Walsh falls in that bucket. He didn't get to play footy last year, really. Uh, I think he actually did need his time in Q-Cup. And he's a really talented guy, but he still has a bit of issue issues with his decision-making, backs himself a bit too much, does a few things like that. And you could see in the Warriors game, he was out of position all the fucking time. Yeah. And you, you're supposed to cut your teeth in reserve grade. Don't look at what Nathan Brown is doing and think that's the way to develop football players because he hasn't done it in the past. Yeah, look at, like, you know, I, I don't like Penrith, but look at Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, and all those guys. Yeah. They they serve their time playing, think, you know, yeah. for, for the second, the, the feeder sides, reserve grades, and that sort of thing. And that's our, been our problem with Dearden. He hasn't, he didn't get to play Q Cup. Like, he should have played 22 games in Q Cup last year, but he didn't get a chance because the competition wasn't on. And, and that was his biggest stunt in terms of development is that he didn't, he didn't get to play against men for 22 weeks. Um, you know, without having to play first grade. So that's it, mate. And I mean, you look at example for, for a fullback, you got to look at the storm and Pappenhausen didn't play first grade till he was 21 there. He spent years developing in reserve grade. They had planned on using Scott Drinkwater, who was also like 21 or 22 at the time. And then they've used, they had Jerome Hughes beforehand, who was like 24 when he first got a crack there. Like, there's a guy who spent time, applying their trade and reserve grade and got there. It doesn't mean everyone's the same. But look, look at Nico look- Hines as well. He's yeah. played a full season last year pretty much of yeah. uh, or the year before of Falcons. Like, you know, that's what they do. They they go and play. They let good teams let players develop into better players. They do. And that's, Nico that's Hines why they can come into first grade and be good players. Well, Nico Hines, one we, one we forgot to mention in the spine stuff, actually, I'd actually happily take him as well. And he wouldn't cost much. Get him in the no. squad. Yeah. And figure it out, you know. Anyway, uh, what else we got here? Now, someone's asked me to have an idea of a rumor who's returning home. I have no idea he's returning home to Brisbane. I mean, does returning home to Brisbane mean a former player or someone from Brisbane? It'll be Wayne Bennett. 
<laughs> Wayne Bennett coming back to Brisbane, just not to the Broncos. Not to the Broncos. I, I do live in daily fear, Ben, of Corey Norman. I thought, that's why I mentioned him. I live in daily fear because he's off contract. And oh, no, they no. they can't they can't be that. No, they, I I have too much, probably too much faith. But yeah, like given the fact that given the fact that we're getting somebody from Melbourne like Donahue, I just can't. Yeah. I can't imagine that happening. He's definitely the three at the pub at 4 a.m. when you're desperate for one. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck it. Come home, Corey. <laughs> like, Come no. on, mate. <laughs> uh, last question on Facebook. Jesse asks, how much do you think the schedule's affected our team? Oh, it's massive. I mean, we're a broadcast team. Mm. So they want us playing the best teams. And, you know, it's... Where we obviously every team last year was better than us, so I mean, of course, it's going to look like a hard draw. But when you're actually playing the most games against top eight teams, we played, you know, the top four sides from last year twice each, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, our draw is definitely tough, um, tougher than everyone else's, I think. But you know, I guess that's as we can't be the best team and the biggest team and the most viewership and everything, and then complain about you yeah. know a tough draw like the Broncos shouldn't have been in this position in the first place to have a tough draw. That's it, mate. We've always, we've always had the tougher draw when we finished third, fourth, fifth as well. Cause we do play those other big teams, but f- we fucking finished in the top yeah. eight comfortably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just, it just, it hurts the way it laid out a little because I know you look at it now. We're so- somehow, I don't think we've been the second worst team this year. We're in second last. It's like, fuck, if we got to play, you know, the Tigers or the Cowboys or Manly earlier, could have chalked up a couple of W's. But yeah, like I said, if we had a run at the start of the year instead of playing all of the top four teams from last year, where we were playing, you know, Manly without Turbo, the Tigers, yeah. the Bulldogs, you know, the Sharks, the Cows, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then we could have, we could easily be three or four, three yeah. or four wins already. But, you know, it's just not the way it's panned out. But, but over the full season, whatever, mate, it's like, yeah. People are too focused on like, oh, they're one and seven, they're shit. It's like, yeah, but then we go to like, Whatever the result we get at the end of the year is going to be the result we get at the end of the year. You know, yeah. we'll see what we are. If we win the, you know, two of the next three or something, or three of the next four, we're no longer looking like fuck. You're the worst team in the competition. You know. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm a big believer of the club has actually put itself in this position to be so yeah. bad. So whatever we get coming to us is, uh, you know, fully deserved. Yeah, I'm with you that 100, percent mate. Like the. There's a reason why there's cachet about the Broncos. We're supposed to be that team. We're supposed yeah. to play the big games at Suncorp against the good teams because that's what we are. And yeah, we finishing eighth is a bad year. Yeah. That's, you know, that should be the long and short of it. Like, so, yeah. yeah, we're in this position because the front office has completely fucked us. Yeah. Okay, here we go. God, God damn, my Twitter is slow sometimes. Here we go. Uh, over on Twitter. Okay. A lot, lot of questions on Twitter. Jesus. Pythago NRL says, given times are tough in Bronco land, is now a good time to take our conference and form some form of Super League without the Sydney clubs getting in our way? Probably could link up with the English game. I mean, the conference <laughs> thing, by the way, is um, I think it's terrible, but it wouldn't be bad for us. <laughs> yeah, you know, the conference, it's just such a dumb idea, but I mean, we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because they're going to have another Brisbane team, but it's like I could actually handle playing the out of, like at the moment, like, the teams that pound us are like South Roosters, Penrith, Eels. Yeah. Okay. Cross them off. Yep. <laughs> like, I'll happily play fucking, you know, what the, the, the Titans, Cowboys, Raiders, Warriors, whatever, Newcastle, roll them through. We can handle it. That's yeah. all right. No drums at all. 
God. Uh, Corey Oates. Sorry, Corey Goats now. He says, where should I get Campbell tattooed on my body after he becomes our Lord and Savior in the halves? Oh. I'd just straight back piece. Yes, full Just back. a whole, whole back. Done. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not answering. Butsy, I'm not answering your first question. He asked me how the Packers are going to fuck the draft up this year. They'll just fuck it up by not taking wide receiver again in the first round. That's what they'll do. Uh, Corey Goat says, do you think we should maybe should have kept Benji or, oh, and maybe even Wayne? <laughs> yes. uh, I'm, I don't think we should have kept Benji. No. You know, I, a lot of people are going wild because Benji's had a good game replacing someone in a team that's in the top four. Yeah. That's what a guy of his stature should do. He should come so in. so bad for us right now. Play one game and, you know, do well. That's fine. But he's not, he's not going to give you 21 weeks of that. Have people forgotten, firstly, how bad he was at the Dragons to end up not wanted? That happened. Mm-hmm. He was good for us because we were a good team when he was filling in. And then also how bad he was for the Tigers in the gap. But people forgotten the recipe that happened there. He has to be on a good team, clearly. <laughs> like, but, and he only has to has, have one good game. Like, yeah. it's one game. Yeah. It's, game. It He's doesn't bad. make any sense. It's so bizarre. But, yeah, he was so bad for the Tigers last year. They did the yeah, right thing. Awful. Yeah. Um, Cameron Archer is 2022 Sean Johnson feeding TBJ the perfect short ball who in turns and spins and finds flying Katoni Staggs. He fend off 17 players to score a game winning try against a storm at some call to break the hoodoo. Who says no? I certainly don't. That's a, don't. that's a beautiful dream. We've already spoken about that right edge with yeah. SJ and TBJ and Katoni Staggs. So yeah, all for it. Yeah. Uh, should the Broncos release Dearden now or when Staggs is back? This is you and Thomas. Give Katoni the rest of the season at six as Perry's leads contract. If he pulls off six, we know we can spend on a big on a seven. If Kevy decides you should stay at center, we know we have to split the remaining cap. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, if we're going to release Dearden now, we should, as we spoke about earlier, get drink water back in return. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only... That's the only thing I could see us doing. And I wouldn't want Stags playing six at all this year, uh, coming back from a knee injury. No. would rather him just playing the centers uh, when he's fit and healthy. Uh, but yeah, if Dearden goes, I'd want Drinkwater back and he can play a bit of six. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't know. That's Stags. Everyone keeps saying that the Broncos have told him he's going to be their six. That just seems to be coming from every the, the agent. Purely. Yeah. Like, if he 100%. was going to be the six for next year... They'd already fucking re-signed him. Yeah. If they, were, if they believed that, he would have already got the contract. Mm. And I think, you know, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, yeah. but maybe someone's pulled the brakes on that one a little bit and just say, whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. you know, there's no point paying another six who hasn't played six. Yeah. Maybe let's wait until we can figure out our spine before we start giving someone a position. Exactly right, mate. And uh, But I don't think, as you said, when he gets back this year, I don't think that's the right thing to do back off his knee injury. Let's get him back. We still have Milford this year figure it out he can play in the centers and get them find his legs again um mitch underscore says which titan is most likely to search for their own name on twitter now that dale copley is is in our squad is it mama feet mama fifi i don't know dale copley searched his own name yeah that's a tough one i don't know but jared wallace yeah yeah he's insecure shout out jared uh ass underscore tedder says interested to hear expectations for dave donahue personally he's hoping for a miracle yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think the club the club doesn't even need a miracle. The club just needs common sense, mm. which is 
that's what they've lacked in the last five years. Like, again, we go back to 2015, 2016, like not being able to ha- have a half locked up, you know, whether it was Hunt or Taylor, someone, one of those two guys had to be locked up. Mm. Um, instead, we lost both. And that was when we started panic buying and doing all that sort of thing. So like, it, you know, we don't need a miracle. We just need someone with some technical nous. That's it. Um, Ewan's back and he says, have we got the weakest fullback in the comp? Seriously, it's hard to find a team with a less dominant number one. Uh, no, not, not by a long shot. There's a lot of bad fullbacks. Yeah. Well, not I'm- a lot of bad fullbacks, but there's Jermaine has done. Yeah. He's done a, a pretty, pretty admirable job this year. He's, Errors are way down. Uh, he's been pretty confident under the high ball. Uh, you know, scored a couple of good tries, had some good touches. Um, um, only win is because of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's there's more fullbacks in the comp that I would hate to have compared to him. But Jermaine hates ridiculous, man. I know when he was on the wing, he deserved a lot of that with his mistakes, but he's cut the errors out this year. He's playing quite well and he's made some mistakes. Yeah. And he's still learning at fullback there. And he might not be the long-term answer, but like, fuck, he's not the worst one in the competition. Like the Bulldogs have who? Nick Meany and they're moving him around, whatever. Yeah. Will, Will Kennedy at the Sharks, okay. You know, you look, then you go look at like, okay, look, I know he's playing well, Dylan Edwards, but I'm telling you, Joanna Sarko is better than Dylan Edwards. Put oh, Dylan mate, Edwards you won't at, get an argument for yeah, me. You put him in the back of that Penrith team of Sarko. Oh, yeah. Killing it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is, yeah. Yeah, and I, know, and I know fullback's very strong, so there might be like still 10 better than him, but Jermaine is nowhere near the top of our list of issues this year. Nah, not at all. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Um, Lavishka says, no, he said, what the, that he, he complained about the podcast not being up. What do you mean it's not up? We're talking now. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Brower says thoughts on a possible Milford Moses halves if we're pairing if we sign Milford reduced dollars well I think you know we sort of spoke about this earlier with our whole recruitment retention thing yeah. it's um you know it, Moses I don't want to be paying big dollars for which it sounds like that's what they're trying to do they're trying mm. to sort of up his price um but you know if we got him for 800k and Milford for 400k yeah then that's a that's a tandem that could work. Like I mean, Moses likes to be the dominant one, which is someone something that we need. Uh, he's got a pretty good kicking game, and he's a flat track bully. And you know, the Broncos are a team that could actually bully a lot of sides at Suncorp. And mm. you know, he, he'd he'd definitely do a job for us up there. Sweet. Okay. What, how many more have we got here? Okay, I'm not going to answer the rest of the ones about that we want Milford or Johnson or similar. Um, Diamonds Dinger says, I know we haven't been playing well, but has there ever been such a bullshit draw where the Spooners play the top eight twice? <laughs> Broncos would have hide nothing from the start. Would they, would the draw, why would they sit draw up like this? I mean, we've covered that kind of, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's at all at the start, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it is what it is. We put ourselves in this position because we were such a bad team, yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, I know we spoke about it a little bit. Smitty asked our thoughts on Stags playing six. So what do you reckon? I've given my thoughts before. So what do you think? Look, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think he can do it, but he's he needs to... I mean, if he's going to play six, I'd rather him spend eight weeks down at Q Cup playing six. You know, if he, if he does well there and shows that he can 
you know, kick and kick for pressure and all that sort of thing, then, you know, I'd be happy to give him a go, but he would be the guy that finds that position last as long as we've got a good seven and a good nine. Yeah, I mean, 100%, that's it. He, I would copy him, as we said, the last piece of that pie we put together earlier. If he's the last one, cool. That's yeah. it. Okay. Anyway, I think that's enough questions. Most of us questions about Moses and similar. I think that's it. I think we're recorded for long enough. The people have enough takes. I've had yeah, enough takes. Have you had enough was, takes? <laughs> yeah, there was one more question that... Uh, you want an answer? Did it go to your Twitter? Did it? It did. It did come to that, mine. That's why uh, I missed it. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. so well, let okay. me just find it here. Okay, wait up. I'll get, I'll get it. Because, uh, okay, it's Big Jim Queensland. Yes. He said he advocates for the concept of maintaining a connection to the original DNA of the Broncos, and he thinks it's, this is paramount. Is Donnie any, Donnie any chance of acknowledging this concept, having Kev being a direct link to success DNA? He's afraid of ego, personal stance on head offices. Yeah, see, and this one, I've got... Um... I, I think that Donahue is not without his, you know, like, I don't think he's that sort of, I'm going to put my stamp on this type of organization type thing. Like he was very behind the scenes at Melbourne. Um, he didn't, you know, he wasn't, his name wasn't out in lights. Like you looked at Carl Morrison, um, some of the other guys on the board last year, uh, Paul White and all that sort of thing. They mm. were in the media way too much, <sighs> like trying to explain things, trying to say this person's not going anywhere. We're so behind this guy. Like, Donahue wasn't that guy. He was just in the background doing his thing. So I don't think he's going to be someone who necessarily puts his personal stamp on it. Um, But I do think he's smart enough to know that the club has got such a rich history of success that it's going to be, like Jim said, it's going to be paramount to the club actually turning around again and, you know, having guys like Sivanasiva there and, you know, the successful sides of the mid-2000s, late 90s. They're the guys we need to look at, not so much the guys who are just in the grand final in like 2015. Like that's not the success we're looking for. We're looking at that sustained success that we had throughout, you know, mm-hmm. the formative years and the and the early 2000s. And even if you look at the last decade, uh, people say, we, uh, I forget this too. We're like the third most wins in the last decade, even though when we sucked, you know, yeah. and when you get back to that, like, and I'm, I'm with you on that, the personal stamp thing. I think Paul White, I was one who I was never a fan of. And there's, oh, we had a, we had like a sack Paul White podcast on here like four years ago, but he got a free run in the Brisbane media because everyone seemed to like him. But he was one of those CEOs, as you said, too much talking publicly for a footy club CEO, but also too close to the playing group. Like the barbecue we had shouldn't exist. No, not at all. Like what? Well, and the way in which it was held and all that sort of thing, that was just a, a rift waiting to happen. You know, it was just, yeah. yeah, I think, and I think by that stage they were just trying to cover their own ass because they knew they'd done such a bad job. Yeah. And they were going over, like, you'd always hear him talking about how he'd like, Oh, a good young fellow. Those are good blokes, whatever, whatever, mate, any good CEO anywhere, as much as you like it or not, mate, the people that work for you don't matter. Okay, yeah. <laughs> their numbers on papers, they have yeah. to perform. They don't hit their, their performance KPIs, whatever you set for them, they're useless to you. Yeah, I don't care how nice of a fellow you think Joe O is, for example. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't hit the mark, fuck him off. And um, I felt Paul White was too much of a nice man to be the Broncos CEO, even though he was part of the white ending of Wayne Bennett, even that was handled poorly, he wasn't handled like a proper man. It was always a work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was just there was no accountability from anyone, and yeah, um, yeah. So I think that Donahue's just gonna he, he'll come in and put his own 
sort of, you know, views and that sort of thing together, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be my way or the highway. I think he's just going to sort of transform it into a club that actually functions like a rugby league club should. Oh, here we go. Fuck it. Of course it happened. Well, not, it looked like he, he used this again. Craig Bellamy extends his coaching one more year at the Storm. Fuck him. There you go, you bastard. He uses again next year too, and I want him again next year. I'd given up on that when it didn't happen last offseason, though. I, yeah. It was like a reported like a done fucking deal, and then it didn't happen. Oh, well. Anyway, that's it. That's the podcast. That's it. We're done so, here. Thanks for coming on, Benny. Anything you want to shout out? <laughs> no, mate. No, mate. Nothing at all. Let's, uh, you know, stick tight. We're in a shit spot, but... Things will turn around. Sweet. Okay. Thanks, everyone. See you whenever we record again. I won't say next week. See ya. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.